I am worried about our church. And when I say our church, I'm not talking about simple church. I am worried about the church. I am worried about how, well, we've been going through the past several months with coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. I am worried about how people have used that as an excuse to get away from being in the house of God, coming to church and being in the midst of other believers. Um, I understand that people have health conditions that put them at high risk. I understand people have conditions that they should not be in the presence of large groups of people. I get it. I really do. I understand that. But I am worried that people as they have done that, that they've got accustomed to being away from the accountability of other believers, that they've gotten away from the fellowship of other believers, and it has become easier and easier to be away from the fellowship of other believers. And I genuinely, it it bothers me, but at the same time, I feel that it's good news because it's causing people to really have to evaluate their relationship with Jesus Christ. There, if you can, if you can be away and, and then, uh, and then it not bother you, you can be away and then you, you pray less and then you study God's word less and you just slip away and slip away and slip away. Maybe, just maybe, that will, that will cause people to come to a realization that they don't really have a relationship with Jesus to begin with. Maybe, maybe that's what will happen. Maybe there is a quasi-persecution that the church is undergoing right now because people just aren't allowed to be in large groups. And because of that, they're forced to really evaluate the relationship with Jesus Christ and see if they really have one or not. Maybe that's what's going on. Today we're going to talk about uh, a situation, the very early part of the church. I'll say the early part of the church, some of like the first couple months of the church and the persecution that it went under. And we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. And I, I just got to thinking about that. I was like, you know, maybe in a way, this is kind of like the persecution that the, the church is undergoing right now. And, and persecution, although we see it as bad oftentimes, it's really good news. It really is. As the early church came under persecution, what happened? Is that people were bold in their faith, and then oftentimes the church would have to split, and people would go off and they would take the good news, and they would take it someplace else, and it would spread from there. And then that church would come under persecution, and then it would split, and it would go off from there, and then more people would take it all these different places, and that's how it reached the world, is through persecution. That's how it happened. We are starting a series um, right now. It's, it's kind of relates back to last Saturday night. We kind of started it then, but it's becoming official now. We talk about the gospel and oftentimes when you go someplace or parents will say this to their kids or a doctor may say this to you, they'll say this question. They'll say, which do you want first? Do you want the bad news or the good news, right? Or do you want the bad, good news or the bad news first? Which one do you want first? Well, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the question is this. Do you want the good news or do you want the good news? 
And that's what we've entitled this series. Which do you want to hear first? The good news or the good news? Now, not everything that we endure in life in our walk with Christ seems like good news, does it? Like oftentimes we look at it and we say, oh, well, the bad news is that we're a sinner. The bad news is that we have separated ourselves from God by our sin. Well, the good news about the bad news is the fact that we are sinners and that we are desperately in need of a Savior. As soon as you recognize that it's bad news that you are a sinner, it is immediately good news because you recognize that you need something more than what you have. So your bad news immediately becomes good news as soon as you say that it's bad news. So do you see what I'm saying when I say the bad news is actually good news? So when you say, do you want the bad news first or the good news first? It's really the good news or the good news. And that's the beauty of of this this God that we know through his word. That is the beauty of, of what we know through the grace that was provided through his son, Jesus Christ. It's either the good news or the good news. And which one do you want first? And we're going to talk about a couple of guys. You may have heard of them before. One of the guys' name is Peter. The other guy's name is John. A few guys are mentioned a few times in the New Testament. You may have heard of them, right? So these are guys that hung out with Jesus a lot, and they, they listened to Jesus during his ministry, and they learned a lot of stuff. They stuck their foot in their mouths a lot of times, and they did some really stupid stuff, but that's okay. They're like us, right? They're ordinary people. They hung around with Jesus, and then, and then Jesus, he dies. He goes to the cross, pays the penalty for all of our sins, through the sacrifice of the cross, sheds his blood for each and every one of us. They start freaking out. They don't know what to do. They're afraid the same thing's going to happen to them. They run off. They go back fishing. And then what happens? Jesus shows up. And then, and then they're like, oh, I know that guy. He's the guy that was dead. And now he's alive. And let's go hang out with him for a while. So they do that. And Jesus keeps showing up. He's, he's showing up, walking through walls. And things are cool, like... You know, he's, he's, he's doing his whole Jesus routine. And these guys start, they start to recognize what's going on here. And Jesus says, you know what? There's going to be this Holy Spirit power that is going to come on you. And, and man, it is going to enable you to do things you cannot imagine. It is going to enable you to, he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he, he is going to strengthen you and empower you and enable you in ways that you can't even imagine right now. And, and sure enough, that's what happens uh, they, 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 just these ordinary guys start preaching these amazing messages in multiple, multiple languages all at the same time. And, and like, it, it's just awesome what, what, what's going on with these disciples. Well, they, they, these folks, they didn't really have like a, a meeting place. They didn't really go to church necessarily. They had the temple. So all they knew to do was now that we're Jesus followers and we don't really follow the Jewish system anymore. We're just followers of Jesus now. He's our true king, and his sacrifice is the one that was the eternal sacrifice. And so they would just like go to the temple and hang out and start talking about Jesus. And that's what Peter and, and John are doing, this particular passage in, in Acts that we're going to be talking about. Well, they're, they're talking about Jesus. They're spreading the gospel, and, and there's this guy who's, who's there, and he's crippled. He, he's lame. And when I say he's lame, it doesn't mean he listens to Nickelback. I mean, he's lame. He, he can't walk, right? And so, so they start, they start, um, they go over to him. I'll, I'll read to you what happens. We're going to start in, cha- we're going to be in chapter four. I'll read to you in chapter three what happens first. And 
And Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood to his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple, he went into the temple with them. So, so they're like, okay, we'll just heal this guy. And, and what's going on here? So, so this is God showing his power. So because think about this. So here's a guy who just healed somebody else. We might want to listen to what he has to say. You know, I mean, like there was a guy that was crippled since birth. He was laying outside the temple. They put his, their hands on him. This guy's walking, jumping up and down. Maybe I'll listen to what that guy has to say, you know? So Peter preaches this great message, and, and this is what he says. I'll read to you just a little bit of what he says. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? Why do you stare at us as though... Uh, we made this man walk by our own power or, or godliness. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory uh, to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despising Pilate's decision, release him. You rejected his holy righteousness, the, the one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. So he is just, he's railing them, right, to begin with. He's just saying, hey, look, this Jesus I, we've been telling you about, he's the real deal, and that's the reason we were able to raise this guy. And he preaches this great message. Peter's telling all these folks what's going on. And believe it or not, Peter and John get in, in trouble. Uh, the religious jerks of the day, the Sadducees, Pharisees, they don't really like it. Um, so they actually arrest them for healing somebody, right? Lame guys able to walk, we need to get rid of those folks. Well, it's because they were doing it in the name of Jesus, and that's what they didn't like. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's fine that, that God healed this man, but for you to say this Jesus is doing it, that's not okay. And that's kind of the world that we live in today a little bit too, right? The news, you can hear the term God used, and it's okay. It's politically correct to use the term God because that can refer to any God. But as soon as you throw Jesus in there, all of a sudden it becomes controversial, and you can't be talking about Jesus, and like everybody freaks out, and you'll probably lose sponsors on TV if you say the name of Jesus, right? So Jesus becomes controversial. God is okay to say Jesus, not so much, politically speaking. Here we see in, in chapter 4, this is where we're going to be today. We're going to see Peter and John before the council. They get taken before the Sanhedrin, and, and this is what happens. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, some of the Sadducees. Sadducees did not believe in life after death. That is why they were sad, you see. Um, that's all right. You'll catch it later. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the, uh, teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. Okay, Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. They were folks that really just believed the first few books of the Old Testament, the, the Pentateuch is what it's called, and they, there was nothing in there about resurrection of the dead, and here they're upset. The Sadducees are saying, these guys are teaching about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Jesus was dead, we know that, and now they're saying he's alive, and they were very upset about that. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. So they really couldn't hold a trial at night, so they put them in jail. 
seems like bad news, right? These guys were, what were they doing? They were doing something good. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about the good news, the good news of the gospel, the fact that Jesus came to resurrect, to resurrect them one day, that they would have an eternal life with God if they would repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, I got to thinking about this this morning. We talk about repentance of sin, right? And Peter says it. Let me see if I can actually find it in chapter 3. He says, uh, it's in here. Hang on. I'm going to find it. See it? And it's getting awkward now. I'm going to find it. I'll find it later. There it says. I was getting really stressed up here. I was turning about as red as those chairs sitting in your seat. You're sitting your seat in. Whatever. (laughs) See, don't you, aren't you glad that you're down there and I'm up here? It's a lot tougher up here than what you think it is, by the way. In chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God and, so that your sins may be wiped away. I got to thinking about the Jewish people and what was their biggest sin? What, what is, what is the, the ultimate sin? What is the unforgivable sin? Denying God. denying God, denying the reality of who Jesus is, constant rejection of what the Holy Spirit is telling you to be truth, right? And that is that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins, right? If you think about it, when we think about repentance of sin, we think about falling down at the altar and saying, God, I did this, and I committed this sin, and, and I've done this, and I've done that. And, and the ultimate sin that I, I, I got to thinking about, I was wondering, like, when people are actually repenting of their sin, do they repent of this sin? God, forgive me for thinking that there was some other way to get to heaven than you. Because that was the biggest sin that the Jewish people had. They, they knew the one true God, but they didn't believe that Jesus was the way. That, that was the biggest sin. So, I, I, you know, we talk about a sinner's prayer and all this kind of stuff that, that's not anywhere in the Bible. But when you talk about repentance of sin, the number one sin that we should repent of, and I don't know that people think about this a lot, but the number one, uh, re- <laughs> the number one sin that we should repent of is the fact that we, we think that there's some other way to get to God than through Jesus Christ. We confess him as Lord, and, and not only do we confess him as Lord, we should repent of the fact that we, we didn't confess him as Lord. We didn't think that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That's the number one sin that we should repent of. So when I thought about repentance, that's one thing that really popped into my mind. So here they are. These guys are, are in jail. Seems like bad news. They're talking about repentance of sin. They're talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. Now they got to go to jail. It says in verse 4, but many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So the Sadducees are putting them in jail. And all that did was give credence to what they were saying. All that did was go, okay, these guys must really be saying something that the, the Sadducees don't like. And I think that motivated the people to believe more so in, in what they were saying. Their 
temple ministry got converted into a jail ministry overnight. Did it not? Now they're in the presence of whoever else is in jail, able to tell them the same thing that they've been telling the other people in the temple. So now, now the good news has even become better news. And then think about this. Look at what it says in verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and the elders and the teachers, the religious law, met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the other relatives of the high priest. They all brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? So Peter and John are preaching Jesus. They heal a dude. They're arrested. They get put into a jail ministry where they get to uh, preach Jesus to the people that are in jail. And then what happens? They got the Sanhedrin together. They got the high priest there. They got Caiaphas. They got Annas. They got all these guys around there. And like, who are these guys? They are the most lost people in Jerusalem. They're the most lost people in all of Israel, right? And what do they get to do in front of this group of about 70 or 71? The the high priest would be the the tiebreaker for any kind of vote they had to make. They they would put them in, in the middle of a circle and they would all circle around them. That's the way that it would work when they brought them into court. And then they would fire questions at them. Now, they were in the middle because they, would have, they would, wouldn't know which way the questions were coming from. It's like darts from all sides, and, and that's just kind of the way they interrogated them, right? Well, here, these guys now get to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross to the most lost people in Jerusalem. The good news became better news, and now it's the best news. He's getting to pre- they're getting to preach to the, the leaders here. You know why? Because God cares about them. God cared about the fact that they were lost. And I, I don't know if any of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. I, I don't know that. But all I know is this, is they heard the good news. And then on top of that, what is the very first question that they asked? What is the, what was the only question that they asked according to the scripture here? By what power and in whose name have you done this? It's like they were set up in front of the Sanhedrin and they were like, share the gospel with us, please. Tell us, tell us about this Jesus. And, 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 and Peter, Peter and John, it doesn't say they resisted anywhere. You know, you know, Peter was the guy that wanted to cut everybody's ear off to try to, try to like make headway and try to keep people from, being, from arresting Jesus, you know. And now, now here they are. There's no resistance there. They're just going along with whatever. They take into, they're going to their jail ministry, and now they get to preach to the Sanhedrin. It's pretty cool, right? And I can imagine. Can't you imagine? They've been thinking, man, what is the way that we could, we could tell the most lost people in Israel about Jesus? What, what is the only way that we could do this? Then here they are in the middle of this group of, of religious jerks, and they're like, I imagine that when Peter and John heard this, they probably looked at each other and just grinned. It's like, by whose name and what power are you able to do this? And they were like, this opportunity we've been waiting for. We get to share the good news with all these men. I don't, I don't think that, I, I, I don't think there's any way that you, you can, I bet their heart was like the Grinch. You know how it, it grew and it exploded outside the little thing? It went, you know, it grew three sizes that day. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what happened. 
when they heard this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. You want to know how he was healed. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This actually comes from Psalm 118. You probably got a footnote there. I'll read it to you. Psalm 118. The stone that, that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, save us. Please, Lord, give us success. Please uh, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And here... Peter says, filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, they were worried about what would happen if they came under attack like this. And they, they were told, don't worry. When that time comes, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say. And here they are in front of the most powerful group of all of Israel. And they're asking the question, share the gospel with us. And he talks about the fact that Jesus Christ is that power. There is salvation in no one else. Do you want to know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is? Do you want to know the answer to that question? There is salvation in no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ, he is the only answer to how you can be saved, how you can be rescued. These are people that believed all their lives and, and they've staked their whole reputation and, and, and their whole career and everything about their family. They've staked all of that on the fact that there are certain things that you have to do in order to be saved. And the reality is that Jesus Christ is that answer. And the reason these apostles had this particular power to be able to heal people is so that it would give credence to what they were saying so that people would listen to them and they would hear them and they would hear what they have to say. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. So there's more good news. There's more good news. The Holy Spirit of God had empowered these men. The Holy Spirit of God had moved on these men and they were ordinary men. This good news, in case you're wondering who it's for, it's for the Sadducees and all the, the, the legalists and, and the, the people that are the ones that, that are the lawyers in, in the day of Jesus, 
And it's also for the ordinary men. The ordinary men. Men of no special stature, no, no special recognition, just ordinary men, and they're able to perform this pow- these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, and it's because of Jesus Christ. So the good news for you and I is when you struggle with how do I share the gospel, how do I tell somebody this good news, how do I give them the good news And then the good news, well, the good news is that you, being an ordinary person, have the Holy Spirit of God, and he is that supernatural power that exists within you that gives you the words, that gives you the ability, that gives you the power that you don't have on your own. These ordinary men were able to do things that were extraordinary, not because of their own power, but because of the power of Jesus Christ. So it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And these were ordinary men speaking to some people that were very, very well-versed in the Scriptures, and they could see that these were ordinary men, but they also had power in their speaking, even though they had no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. There is something special that you can see in a person who has been with Jesus. They look different. They act different. They speak different. They are different. And you can recognize them as different if they have been with Jesus. And these people had been with Jesus and they could see it in them. They recognized them as people who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been uh, healed straight Right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. They ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. There was no denying that this man who was lame is is now walking. There was no denying that. And here, what these men are saying is Jesus Christ is the reason and the power that exists through Jesus Christ is the reason that this man is now healed. It made them silent. In front of Peter and John. These two ordinary men who had just been with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, bringing healing upon this man, and now they brought silence among these Sadducees that were were there and trying to cast judgment on them. They had something to say for everything. Well, not this time. They got fed a big cup of shut-up juice, and and there was nothing they could say. They just just like sent them out. Well, just... Y'all just go out in the hallway and wait a minute. And it says, what do we do with these men? They're, they're in there. They're, they're trying to figure things out. What, 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 what are we going to do, y'all? We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Like We can't cover this up, y'all. We, we, we don't have one of those men in black flashy devices. That's not going to work because... Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows what's just happened. He healed this, this man, and everybody knows about it. But to keep them from spreading this propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. This is our plan. We arrested them, and we can see that we've obviously shaken them up a good bit. They're, they're very scared now. 
So we're going to threaten them and tell them not to speak about this Jesus again. What do you think is going to happen to Peter and John when they hear this? Like, dude, we, we, were, we, just, we were there and, and, a, and a crippled man was healed. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? You know, like, like, what do I have to be afraid of? You who don't, who don't have the truth? Isn't it amazing how many Christians are afraid of people that don't have truth? Isn't it amazing of, of how intimidated we get by people that don't have truth, that, that say stuff to us, act a certain way, isolate us, or, 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 or somehow make us feel like outcasts or we don't belong or whatever? Isn't it amazing the kind of power those people have over us? Should they really have that kind of power over us? If they don't have truth, if they don't, if they don't know Jesus, and yet we allow them to have control over us and to manipulate us? Dude, that's not okay. That's not okay. When you think about that, when you think about those unbelievers that are, are, are working their magic in your mind by allowing you to think that you're less than, I want you to think about Peter and John in this situation and, and the fact the council's about to come in and tell them, we're going to warn them they can't do this anymore. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Once again, they got to be smiling at each other, right? They got to be like, can you believe these guys? I, I just, I have all these pictures in my mind. I share those with you because it just this is what I see when I read this stuff. I, like, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Hey, guys, what do you, what do you think? We, we've been doing this because we know that this is what God wants us to do. And here you are telling us you want us to do something else. Which one do you think we're going to listen to? Which, which one do you think is going to have more power over us? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen in her. It ain't happening, dude. That's what Peter and John said. That's the Greek version. It ain't happening, dude. The council then threatened them further. That's going to work, right? So here, I, I think what's happening is they, they're, they're like firing these darts away at them and they're like getting on them and pointing their finger and, you know, slapping them on the wrist or whatever they're doing, you know, to say, don't do this anymore. And here, it says, but then they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. So the power of God is moving, not just in these apostles, but he's moving outside the doors of this council. And there are people out there that are believing in Jesus. They're believing that these men who are with Jesus are telling the truth. They're telling the truth. And, and, and you, you, can't, you can't punish somebody for telling the truth. The evidence of the fact that they're telling the truth is the fact that they're preaching Jesus and healing people and, and things are happening and people are coming to faith in Jesus over and over and over again. And, and no matter what these, these people in the council want to say or do, they can't, they can't do anything to punish them or else it's going to cause a riot because the people are going to say, look, I know what you guys are saying on the council, but listen, I just witnessed something that cannot be denied. And when these men speak about this Jesus who is raised from the dead, 
There were like 5,000 people that, that saw Jesus like alive after he had like risen, risen from the dead. There were like just tons and tons of people around that saw the resurrected Jesus, right? It wasn't like just this handful of people. There were hundreds of people that saw him risen from the dead. And, and here these people are talking about it. They're just, they're, they're talking about the fact that this Jesus who is raised from the dead, he's the reason that they have the power to be able to touch this man and him be healed. Said if we if we do something to these guys, man, it's gonna cause a riot outside. And what will that riot do? What would what would a riot do? It would just motivate the gospel even further, right? It would just fire everybody up and say, Man, I know what these guys are saying is true. So much so I'm gonna defend it. So the good news becomes good news, becomes the good news, becomes the good news, becomes the good news. So they finally just let him go. <laughs> I know what we're going to do to get you guys to be quiet. We're going to let you go. That'll fix you. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who has been lame for more than 40 years. As we look around at the situations in our lives, y'all, there's, there's stuff that's going on, and it seems like it's bad. It seems like it's really bad. And, and there's bad news from the doctors, and there's, there's bad news in our family. There's broken relationships and all this kind of stuff that we look at, and we go, I just like one thing on top of another on top of another. When it rains, it pours, is what we say, right? And it's just like one bad thing after a bad thing after a bad thing. And you know what I think the issue is? I don't, I don't think the issue is that God's not in control, and I don't think the issue is that God's forgotten about us, and I don't think the issue is that God doesn't care about us. I think the issue is our perspective on how we see all those things. I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about the, the struggles, the health struggles in their family. And, and maybe, just maybe, God is using all of that to bring the entire family to Jesus. This was somebody at work that I was talking to, and, and, and her mother had been struggling with COVID-19 so much so that she's been in the ICU for months. And, and she had a brain bleed and all this kind of stuff. And, and she said, she said, you know what's crazy is I've never been as close to God as I have in the last couple months. She said, I got family members that we're closer together now. We used to not even like each other. We used to not hang around each other at all. They wouldn't even come around. Now they're like, they're tight knit. They're right there with us as we're standing outside the ICU and they're, they're right there with us and we're praying together and talking together and all these kinds of things that, that just weren't even there in the past. I think the problem is not the bad news. I think the problem is our perspective. And the good news, the good news is Jesus. There is no other way that you can be saved. None. I think that we try a million different things to make our lives better. We try a million different things to try to try to improve our situation, whether it's through a job, a relationship, something like that. We try to improve things. Do you know the best news is? The best news is, is you can't make them better. You can't do it. Jesus is the answer to every sickness that ails you. Jesus is the answer to every hole that's in your heart. 
Jesus is the answer to every weakness that you feel. Jesus is the answer to every brokenness that you feel in your heart. Every time you feel isolated or alone, Jesus is the answer. When you're looking for the good news, it can only be found in Jesus. There is salvation by one, and that is Jesus. I hope that you know who he is. And when I say that you know who he is, I'm not just talking about you understand who who is being written about in this Bible. I hope that you know who he is to you. I hope that you understand what your relationship to him really is like. And that it's not superficial, it's not fake, that it's real. And that as you're being tested, as you're looking at the situations in your life, you're turning to Jesus and not turning somewhere else. Father, thank you so much, God, for this precious word. Thank you for Jesus Christ being the answer to everything that ails us. God, we sing songs. And we say, that is who you are, Lord. I just pray that we recognize really who you are today. That that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way, no other way for us to be saved than through Jesus Christ. God, our perspective, it it gets jaded all the time because of Satan, his power and his influence in the world. And And Lord, I pray that we would not allow that to happen in our minds. God, that we would see the good news for what it is and the fact that it is good news. Lord, we desperately need you to open our eyes, especially in the time that we're in right now. Help us to see the good news and help us, God, to share the good news. God, I pray. I pray that we would be people that would rejoice and we would sing of your love that never fails your enduring love that lasts forever. God, I pray that we would sing just as the psalmist says, God, that we would just sing and praise you forever. God, they rejected you, but you're the cornerstone. You're the cornerstone of our faith. So Lord, I pray that you would move in this place and God, that you would just move in the hearts of lives of believers that are struggling right now. And for those that don't know you, God, I pray that you would wreck their hearts. Help them to see that you are the only way, that you are the only answer. So be glorified now as we respond to you. In Jesus, our King's name, we do pray. Amen.